0: Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast for Wednesday, May 13th. I'm Carolyn Gonzalez. I will be joined later on the show today by my co-host John DeShazer as we sit down with left tackle for the New Orleans Saints, Teron Armstead and NFL Network's Steve Weiss. You don't want to miss these interviews. They were conducted earlier this week uh, via Zoom as we continue to work remotely with Teron Armstead a uh, great interview with him. He was actually in the middle of a workout when we interviewed him, so we kind of interrupted things, but he uh, he shed some light on how he's staying in shape during all of this. He talked about how he's doing some workouts via Zoom. Um, and I also talked to him about what his shopping cart looked like uh, at the beginning of this, because I've heard different players say they had to order equipment for their home, so I was very curious is to know what his shopping cart looked like Uh, you'll hear in my reaction that i was a little caught off guard because what he said was completely different than what i expected Um, but that's why he is a professional and i am not (laughs) he also talked about uh, his teron armstead foundation center and uh, we talked about his newest songs that are going to be dropping soon on soundcloud and we talked about uh the the player that he was most excited to have featured on his songs. So we get into that with Tehran. Also, we talked to Steve Weish. That'll be the second interview on today's podcast. Uh, He spoke about the the changes in NFL Network during COVID-19, the changes in the NFC South, and how he thinks the Saints will shape up. Uh, We talked a little bit about schedule release, and then he touched on the last dance because I didn't know this, but, you know, J.D. is ancient, as we talked about many times on this podcast, but um, J.D. was a part of, uh, he was a reporter during a few games of The Last Dance, so him and Steve uh, really shed some light on their perspective of watching The Last Dance. Obviously, we all have different perspectives on that, so uh, we talked a little bit about that. Um, So that will be on today's episode of the New Orleans Saints podcast. Before we get into those interviews, though, I do want to talk about uh, tonight's episode five of the nine for number nine uh, series, a champion's journey that we are re-promoting on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. So episode five will drop tonight. Uh, It talks about Drew Brees' journey. Uh, about free agency and uh, after Drew Brees was coming off of his serious shoulder injury and really why he decided to come with the Saints. So if you haven't watched A Champion's Journey, be sure to go back and watch all of the episodes. Again, tonight's episode number five will release on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app at 6 p.m. I have a question for all of you listeners. Again, before we get into our interviews, um, which game, now that the schedule has been released, are you most looking forward to as a Saints fan? I think I speak for myself. Uh, I'm going to say I'm most looking forward to the Vikings game on Christmas Day and also the San Francisco game on November 15th because I just remember being In the Superdome on the field with JD getting ready for our post game show and anyone who was in the Superdome during that game knows that that game came down to the last minute. It was exciting. I just remember looking at all the Saints fans everyone's faces so um, I'm excited for that rematch against the San Francisco 49ers on November 15th. Very excited for that. So if you can, uh, while you're rating the Saints podcast on iTunes with five stars, shameless plug there, uh, be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to tweet, if you have Twitter, uh, go on to at and comment to us which game you're most looking forward to during this time. All right, enough for. From- from me, let's go ahead and get into our interview with Teron Armstead. Teron, what are you doing? How's how's life treating you during COVID-19?
1: Um, everything's been going pretty well. Uh, you know, trying to stay safe, healthy, keep my family safe and healthy. Uh, been down in Colleen, Texas, pretty much the whole time. Um, yeah, everything's been fine, though, no complaints.
0: Are you still working out? Are you still kind of like on a routine base? What's what's changed for you as far as like, like keeping in shape and things like that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back now, uh, fully hitting it, fully training to, to get ready to go. Um, got a pretty fortunate situation here in, in Texas. I know I got some friends out here that, that has a nice amount of workout equipment. So being able to have access to those things, um, probably a little
2: better situation than than, than most guys right now. Teron, we hear that you're kind of the nerve center when it comes to communication for the Saints offensive linemen. Are you the guy who's kind of initiating that 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 concept and, and where did it come from? Are you just kind of feeling like you're the leader of, the, of that group and so you need to be the one that's that's leading it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, communication is a huge part of what we do. Uh, and we can never take that for granted or, or take it lightly. So, uh, you know, we had a young center last year uh, with, with Eric McCoy. So I just try to lighten, up the load, lighten the load for him as far as things that he had to do, you know, picking up a whole new offense and then, the terminology, the verbiage that we use. So any time
2: that I could step in and lead the communication, I would would do so. You're probably going to have to do the same thing this year. Now, you you talk about a rookie last year. Here's another rookie this year, Cesar Ruiz. Uh, He's going to be stepping in also. Uh, Have you had any contact with him? And if so, is it a lot more difficult when you can't be hands-on, when you've got to kind of do it verbally?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I spoke with him briefly. Uh, not 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 too much yet, but at some point I'll, I'll I'll get us all together. We'll we'll spend some time together and uh you know get a chance to go over the playbook or any questions that anyone has. Um, you know the young guys have my number or or other veterans' number if they have any questions in the time being. Uh, it is different. You know we've never had to deal with a situation like this, but we got to approach it in a way that um this is this really all we got, and, and the rest of the league is doing the same thing. So uh we We just got to find a way to make it work
2: you know w- when the stay at home is lifted do, do you guys i guess have you already made plans to gather or collect in in a certain place or you know how how is that gonna work because i guess you you would be able to considerably get together and work out some.
1: yeah uh no we 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 spoke on it, you know, just just put it out there that at some point we will get together, and uh I'm sure everybody'd be all for it and excited to 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 get around each other and spend some time together um don't have a Destination yet, but you know, it's most likely gonna be in Dallas because that's where I'm gonna be. So, might as well have all the young guys come to me.
2: (laughs) Was that seniority rules on that one?
1: (laughs) Something like that. I'm not not going to Wisconsin with Ramcheck. It said it'd be cold, it'd be in the the woods, no Wi Fi. So, we're not going Ram Ramcheck. And I I don't even know where some of these other guys at.
0: We've already established on last episode that Texas is the place to be, especially when it comes to food. Uh, But anyway, so when you were drafted in. uh,
1: Who established Who who established that Texas is a Texas uh, Eric state? McCoy it, and it I It was
2: both. a it was a committee of one. Eric McCoy was actually right. kind of split on it. So it was basically
0: Nope. No. Nope. Okay. All right.
1: That makes sense. That's All not what happened.
0: It. it was it was Texas <laughs> Far, far in the lead. Uh, Teron, mm-hmm. when you were drafted in, in 2013, you came into, you know, kind of a veteran offensive line, but now things have kind of turned on their head. Now you're the longest tenured player on, on this line. Do you feel like year after year, that progression into the leadership role kind of just was automatic for you? It was easy for you?
1: Um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel that I'm uh, a natural leader. Uh, you know, I have a uh, patience about myself and uh, uh, kind of a uh, teach teaching ability that you know I kind of kind of had throughout my my playing career. You know, um, so I think I think it helps me to 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 be in this role and be in this position uh, because you know you think the NFL you think everybody is like just game ready and that's that's so far from the the, the actuality. You know, a lot of people need to, to come up to speed with, you know, mostly just terminology first. just the way that the communication is in the, in the NFL. Uh, and then, like, pre-snap stuff, like not even playing football. just the stuff that before the snap that can get you killed if, if you are not paying attention to it or you just don't know it. So um, I definitely embraced the role. Like you said, I had leaders, Zach Streve, Jari Evans, Ben Grubbs, that, that had this role and, and, and brought us along. You know, so having those guys for years, bringing in Max Unger as well, a a great leader. So just having those guys and just put, you know, myself in a position to, you know, take over.
0: You know, Sean talked about, the the Cesar Ruiz after the draft and how he had an incredible football IQ and you talk about how much happens before the snap even even occurs what percentage do you think goes into football IQ as an offensive lineman versus the physical need that comes with being an offensive lineman
1: uh i mean it's a lot of, a lot is asked for us in our system a lot is asked of us in our system so uh other places you know things are, are simplified um, but we have a lot of checks and, and, and different audibles and calls that can occur depending on what the defense is doing. You know, so you, you have to be a cerebral player in this offense. You have to be able to know those things, uh, especially with Drew, because he he sees, he sees things in a completely different spectrum. So you got to be on the same page with him. And, and he might say that, you know, the snap count is on two. So you get up to the line, you're looking at everything, and you're anticipating it's on two he sees something extremely favorable and ready to go. Like, he wants the ball now. So, you got to be able to pick this. As soon as you hear ready, like, you got to be able to pick that up. He wants, He's snapping the ball. So, you got to be able to go. You know, just small things like that, that people never really get a chance to see or know what's going on. But those type of things are,
2: are what helps us, you know, being a smart team. You know, Teron, obviously, a different offseason this year and no offseason program. Uh, except when you guys hit the hit the ground running camp, but for you, a veteran, a guy who you know, I don't necess- I don't want to say needs the work, but you don't necessarily need all the work. Is this a good thing physically or body wise for you? Uh, is, the, is it is not necessarily a good thing, but is it a positive for you? I guess to not be going through the reps and the pounding that you might otherwise be going through right now.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it would be – it depends on how each player approaches it, you know, and, and I, I can see it being extremely beneficial. uh, Just like off-season program, a normal one is beneficial. You know, you, you're learning, you pick picking playbook, you're with your teammates, you know, all those benefits and, and that. But you can also have benefits in, in this as well. Like you said, not taking the physical toll or the pounding. Uh, you can train with, in so many different ways. Like at some point I'm going to pick up the boxing you know, just to get in, in tip-top shape. But just I'm doing Pilates on Zoom calls right now, so I'm working on doing Pilates. So, like, you can do so many different things that you wouldn't be able to do if you were just with the team. So you just got to find a way to, to be productive and, and, and make it benefit you.
0: What was your reaction when you heard that there was, wasn't going to be as many off-season workouts like OTAs and things like that? Because I know sometimes it's nice to hear, you know, you don't have practice and you can do things on your own terms. What was your reaction yeah. when you heard that?
1: uh i mean I kinda anticipated it you know the way the way that covid nineteen was was trending um, I, I didn't see you know any end in 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 april that that was gonna show us being able to return so I kinda anticipated it and then just try to figure out ways to get get good workouts in, you know hit amazon and get some get some little tools and gadgets to to kind of help out uh I'm not an exotic training guy. I'm not running mountains and stuff like that. So, I kind of know what I need to do to, to get to get there. So, it's it's been alright.
2: Hold oh, on, we're not just gonna glide past this zooming and Pilates thing now. Who who are you Pilating with? <laughs> uh, My name, <laughs> uh, name
1: is I'm Pilating. Her name's Lori. She's in she's in she's in New Orleans, uh, Uptown New Orleans. Right. I go to the studio, Uptown, but you know can't do that right now. And I haven't been back in, in the city. In, in a while so uh, and I I didn't even think that like being like doing Pilates online would even be a thing you know like I, I've never been able to work out watching a YouTube video or something like that but it's real it's tough it's tough and it's, it's beneficial because I'm in Dallas and I still haven't found a Pilates instructor but now I don't need one I Got the, I got my iPad.
0: So, two questions to follow that up. So, did you ever think when you were drafted in 2013 that you would be doing Pilates? I
1: didn't know what Pilates was in 2013. I didn't even – I didn't know that was a thing.
0: Has it – I mean, obviously, it's helped, right? Like, how much – what does it help with? Does it help with flexibility, strength, isometrics?
1: I think it has been uh, directly impactful. So, like, like directly – applicable to the field Hmm. the the core strength uh, aerial awareness uh, you know tapping into those small muscles Um, I think that when I'm you know having my best games and best season the the Pilates like my core is really strong and engaged everything's activated and I think it it directly is uh,
2: effective.
0: You need to drop the even, core routine for for JD there. You need I, don't to- I, I don't even
2: know I don't even know I what isometrics mean. So you know that tells you how much in the Pilates I am. <laughs> All right, second question. What did
0: that? What did the online shopping cart look like for you when this first started Tron? Like, what was your what was your order history?
1: Uh, a lot of foot stuff, foot and ankle stuff. You know, I had the high ankle sprain, and that still was lingering. So, uh. Got the little yoga toes, the little toe spreaders, toe spaces, uh, the little fascial ball to rub the fascial tissue out from under your foot, uh, calf stretch machines, uh, you know, little toe grippers to make your feet stronger. Like a lot of foot and ankle stuff. Uh, what are you laughing for?
0: I just think that's funny. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I was expecting you to say like like bands you know like ankle bands, things so like that. bands,
1: bands. not toe gripper but like you you gotta think everything starts with the base like if your feet is healthy, then you know kind of hard for anything else to be healthy so start with the base i got the resistance bands and all that other stuff but that's that's normal
2: tara you need to tell her to google you you are an all pro <laughs> with light feet tell her to google you <laughs> He talking about you, you, you. not. She Achilles. talking like you not light on your feet or something. She don't. She don't.
0: <laughs> Are you done? Are you done, J.D.? <laughs> all right, Tron. Let's get into uh, maybe some more outside of football things. Uh, you kind of went off the charts in training camp this year when they played tee up during training camp for all the fans. Uh, they played it in the Superdome a few times. When is the next time we should expect a track from T Stead?
1: I actually got some new music, and about to like, not like push it promote like that, but I'm a, I'm gonna end up putting it on the like the major platforms, the Apple Music, the title, and Spotify and all that. So getting that done in the meantime, like I got I got time right now, so I get my workouts in from like nine to eleven, eleven thirty. So kind of got the day to do uh, other things and get in the studio a little bit. So I'm, I'm, it's going to be on the way, and it'll be good, too. It'll be really good. Like every song will be really good. You got to listen you, to the bars.
0: If you need any influencers, J.D. takes great selfies, and he can just push it out to the masses.
2: Yeah, she learned about that, too. <laughs> now, now, but here's, here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing, because I always think back to Teron when he was a rookie and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know quiet guy and everything. So I would not have never seen this transformation. You know, so was this always in you, or is this an acquired taste? Something you picked up? I mean, you know, where did this come from?
1: I got songs from 2007, 2008. Uh, we made a few. Co- We've made a few songs in college. We had some football songs in college. So no, I've been I've been rapping forever. I've been We had a little a little uh, squad back home called CBC, and that was our little rap group. So yeah, I got a few songs. I got them on my phone actually. All
0: right. So who's been your favorite person to have featured? On your song, so I think you had Mark when he was when he was yeah. on, on the team. I think you've had AK, so I need to know first who who's been the most fun to have on, uh, on a track, and second, who was just like the most fluid like who was it easy for to just like start going as opposed to uh, you know taking some some baby steps at first?
1: Uh, most fun is tough because Mark and Travorsky Cadet. I don't know if you ever spent any time with Travars.
2: No, Cadet, I didn't that see that. Right. Of, I I did, and I didn't see that out of him either. He seemed pretty quiet.
1: Oh, what? That is a, <laughs> he is a listen. He's a jewel. He is a class of his own. So between between Mark and Cadet, if you, Zeddy, I'm I'm shocked that you didn't really get a chance to like find I his personality. Not. He's the most not. beloved saint ever. Like he's hilarious. Uh, so them two is most fun. Marcus Murphy was nice. He, he, could, he could rap. The running back from Mizzou, he was nice. And then I got a guy from back home, uh, Rich Rudy Rose, Triple R. Uh, back home, he's, he's really good. Got great music, all on Apple music and, and everything. Rich Rudy Rose. All
0: right, last time before you get were on. Out,
2: before you get out, you know you got to get Drew on one, at least. So look, Drew is like one of my biggest music fans. Like,
1: and his sons, his 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 boys, love the music. I always send them the clean version, and they 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 all about it. So Drew sent me videos from time to time
2: of the boys, and they they're rapping, and they know they know it word for word. All right, so I'm 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 gonna suggest Drew just because you got to get the gold on one. I'm I'm gonna put a thumbs down. I'm gonna though. get Drew. I'm I'm put a thumbs down on Cam because you know it's hard to get Cam to concentrate. So you know you he might go off on a tangent somewhere. <laughs> You're trying to get him, You know he. Cam might
1: be all over the place. I, I don't see Cam get on the track at no time so I'm gonna get Drew on there, talk some, talk some, some trash like a little, you know. I'm gonna get him going.
0: Cam would start talking about one thing and then completely get sidetracked and start talking about yeah. three, four other things.
1: I have to fire Cam.
0: Um, Toronto. <laughs> last time you were on the podcast, you were talking about your Toronto Armstead Foundation Center uh, that you guys were working on. Can you give us some updates on how that's going?
1: It's been, it's been great. It's been great. Uh, you know, we've been rolling with, with construction and renovation throughout this whole time, so uh, the progress is amazing. Um, you know, going through there and, and actually seeing the rooms now, seeing the framing and the electricity, the um, air conditioners going up on the roof. Like, all that stuff is, is becoming a reality, and it's exciting. Uh, the community is extremely excited about it. Uh, we're now about to start posting applications to start, you know, hiring for the, for the for the center. But uh, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, we got a, a daycare, school, computer lab, dance studio, game room, uh, event space for ceremonies and banquets, uh, conference rooms, uh, voting booth. So it's, 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 uh, it's great, and, and we're extremely excited about it.
0: J.D., anything else?
2: No, just uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and tell the twins uh, to keep on – tell the twins to listen to the New Orleans Saints podcast. That's what you can do.
0: (laughs) Man, it seems like any time J.D. has an opportunity to roast me, he does. But the love is mutual and the roasting is mutual as well. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with NFL Network's Steve Weish. All right, well, we're joined
2: by Steve Weish. And Steve – How's everything going overall at the NFL Network? Forget the NFL Network. How's everything going at the Weiss household?
3: No, we're good. I mean, we're, you know, you remember, I live in California, and so we we actually shut down the state, like, well before everybody. So, it's, gosh, I think we're two months in. And, you know, we've adjusted. I've got all my, my sons are home, so I've got a full house. Um, you know, we get out and do the exercise. we got a little circuit set up, you know, with the gym in the backyard. So, just staying in shape, and and uh, working from home like you guys, I mean, it's a little, I mean, I think now we're kind of, it went from two weeks to, okay, we got this, to a month, like, no problem, to now kind of like, okay, where are we going from here? So, yeah. you know, I, I think we're all kind of, I was talking to Mike Tomlin the other day, he says, uh, you know, we, we have learned patience through all of this. So uh, I am, I am reading books and things about Nelson Mandela and some of those people who had to learn patience at a much greater clip uh, than we are having to deal with to still keep optimism. So we'll oh, Steve be all right.
2: Went, Steve went heavy on us. He yep. went I mean, you.
3: Woo hoo! mean, you, 27 years with only hope is your ally, man. We can, you yeah. know, we can make it through this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So now how's everything at the shop? Did you guys feel somewhat normal? I guess, with the draft and then with the, with the schedule unveiling?
3: More so with the schedule unveiling because, you know, our studios aren't open. So we're doing everything remotely. So we, we turned the full operation of the draft over to ESPN. A couple of our people were on it, like Dana Jeremiah, Kurt Warner, and Michael Irvin. But all we did was, for the most part, simulcast. You know, normally during the day, reporters like myself, we're at a facility like the Saints facility, and we're, we're, we're doing reports all day. We, we were home. Um, so it was, it was a tougher day for us. Schedule release show was, was much more in tune. We did, I did a bunch of interviews with coaches and GMs and that was kind of cool. And I could tell, we talk about the cabin fever. I could tell they were actually okay doing these interviews, you know, like, Hey, we're good. We'll, we'll give you our exposure. We need to have some type of a conversation here. So, but it's, it's different, man. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of the things you have to fight through. Everybody else is dealing with it. So make the best of it.
2: You know, that kind of leads me into the Tony Dungy thing because I know Tony Dungy, when he was a head coach, Tony Dungy always said, you know, you don't have to be at the office all day and all night. And he would forcibly send his assistants home to spend time with their families yep. at a certain hours. So, you know, it can be done, coaches, if you listen, it can be done, obviously. <laughs> um, now, now, Steve, you're a guy who. You know, we might as well call you an honorary Saints beat writer. Yeah,
3: I pay, I I should pay taxes in Louisiana, yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Enough to pay taxes, I'm sure. Uh, So, you know, what are your thoughts about the new NFC South now? Because you guys have obviously had a lot of talk, and everybody's had a lot of talk about, you know, the additions Tampa Bay made and the changes Carolina made and, you know, whatever it was that Atlanta did. And and now with the Saints, drafting people. Uh, an offensive lineman and a linebacker and, and a tight end. So you know, what are your thoughts about the NFC South as we press forward? here?
3: It's the same. Honestly, it's the same they've been for the past 10 years. It's the toughest division top to bottom in the NFL. We talk about, you know, Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay, but let's not forget it wasn't long ago when Cam Newton was the MVP of the NFL for Carolina. This division has been loaded with quarterbacks for years. Okay. It has been competitive going back to when Gruden was at Tampa Bay when they were pushing to the playoffs and winning Super Bowls. And the Falcons had Michael Vick. The Saints, you know, they weren't there with Drew Brees yet, but he eventually came into the division. It's, you know, it, it's just, to me, again, I know, I know Tom Brady is, is the high piece, of the new addition, but to me you're kind of taking Cam Newton out of the mix and putting Tom Brady in when we're just talking about the overall competition of this division. I love the NFC South. As you know, Long, when I was a longtime beat writer for the Falcons, it's it's a knockdown drag out every year, and now that there's gonna be an additional team from each conference going to the playoffs, it would not surprise me at all if three teams from the NFC South made it like we saw a couple years ago from the NFC West. But I think the Falcon Saints and Buccaneers all have opportunities to advance.
2: Yeah, I tell you what, Steve, now the Saints pick up Jameis Winston, um, unrestricted free agent and you know, not knowing him personally, and we only had a, a, a zoom you know, interview with him. I, I'll say that. And maybe you know him a little bit better than, than us because you maybe you had that exposure. But I like him. He's I like impressive. It. He is really an impressive individual. And so, you know, from that standpoint, what are your thoughts on him personally and what he can add to a team? Because obviously he's in a situation where he knows his role, uh, gets an opportunity to learn, but he seems eager to do that.
3: What's interesting to me is now the, let's call it the Bridgewater effect where mm-hmm. Teddy came there. Teddy had opportunities to go elsewhere, as did Jameis. And they're like, you know what? If I've got an opportunity to kind of learn under Sean Payton, learn under Drew Brees, understand what that quarterback room could be like, this could only be an asset. And now if he has to play, we saw what Teddy did last year. Jameis could get better and, and parlay that into a big contract. Like, and if not, Drew Brees is going to retire at some point in the next year or two. So there could be opportunities there. So, look, Jameis, his biggest strength and his biggest flaw are the same thing, and that is his over-competitiveness. He wants to be right. So often he forces throws. He, he tries to fit the ball through a needle eye sometimes when it's not there. He's not big on making a safe play. That's why you have the number of interceptions. This is a guy who threw for 5,000 yards, man. It's yeah. not like he's lacking talent. We've seen him win ball games before. If he can bring those turnovers down, um, and Sean's going to do that with that quick offense and tempos and constant personnel changing, Jameis could be a a better player. Again, Bruce Arians was a hell of a coach for him in Tampa Bay, but I think the overall structure of what Sean Payton has built down in the Saints could only be a positive, plus the Saints are getting a highly capable backup. You, know, you no talked about the up.
0: roster of the Saints, and it seems like the past three seasons in regular season, the Saints have been great. And then when it comes to playoffs, obviously, that's been a little bit more difficult. But do you think now, maybe more so than other years, the Saints have put together maybe a more complete team than they've had in the past few years?
3: Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say that. I thought they were pretty complete last year. But adding Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, look, the last time he was in the Superdome, he was – he was marking the same defense. <laughs> so, so if he could do something like that, I mean, having a slot guy, a guy can move inside and outside with the defensive, with the secondaries in that division, that's where there's not a ton of ballers. I mean, th- that's a huge help. Getting a linebacker like Zach Braun, I mean, just some players like that, getting Cesar Ruiz and there. That's, you know, that's really going to help. Nothing will help them more and you guys know this, than the way they went out last year. They were not mentally prepared. Okay, so they had two fluke losses in the two previous years to the Vikings and the Rams. Last year, all week long, they were kind of like, oh, if we shut down Dalvin Cook, we got this, because Kirk Cousins is a so-and-so. Well, you didn't shut down Dalvin Cook. You weren't ready. You got hammered. You got hammered on both lines of scrimmage, and they knew that after the game. You guys both know it was the way they lost that game not the fact that they lost that game that really broke those guys' hearts because they knew they did not bring it like they had to bring it. That, or what we're talking about the last dance before he came on air, that is going to be their motivating factor like it was for the Bulls going into that 96 season when they got knocked out of the playoffs and Jordan wasn't in shape and they weren't quite mentally right. You know,
2: is this a situation, and I, I guess it's not quite the same comparison because – you know, the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, but the Saints have been knocked out of the playoffs three straight years, and it's been heartbreaking fashion each time. Is this a slight comparison, a small comparison to say, you know, and I guess to com- compare the mental toughness, because the Bills had to keep getting off the mat, yep. keep getting off the mat to go back, and even though they didn't win it, they had to keep getting off the mat, and say, and, you know, basically their mantra was, you might be sick of seeing us, so what? We don't care. We're going back.
3: It has to be that way. But to me, there's much more of a sense of urgency with the Saints because of Drew Brees' biological clock. I mean, they've they've got to go ahead and get this done. And we know some of the players, Cam Jordan is well into his career. We've got Emmanuel Sanders is well into his career. You've only got a small window in the NFL. I mean, you look at the teams like the Panthers and the Falcons and the Rams who got there and just haven't gotten back. It's it's tough. So the fact that the Saints – are constantly competitive is one thing. But, you know, to be able to get over that hump in the NFC, hey, man, like the one thing the Bills back in that era, they were the team, right? They were the team. They were constantly the hunted, and they constantly had that shield of armor that you couldn't break through. The NFC is a freaking gauntlet. We were talking about the NFC you got the Vikings, you've got the Packers, you've got the Rams, you've got the Niners, you've got Seattle. Um, it's tough, man. So for the Saints just to get there, that's one thing that should be applauded. But I think there's absolutely more of a sense of urgency than, than they've ever had in any of their playoff. runs.
0: I'm frozen. Now, now,
2: Steve, you, you mentioned the last dance and uh, that last dancer, And, you know, people don't know you and I, two old basketball guys um and i'm yep. mad, this is on old but we're two old basketball guys who
0: that's okay it's okay to say of, it.
2: okay. you know we were there for the last dance and actually now that i mentioned it i'm a little bit insulted that they didn't show me on the last dance because i was <laughs> among the reporters in during that during that period but you know so far your thoughts on on the documentary because i see a lot of people critiquing it as if they want it to be something that's that's dual sided and you know I never thought that going in always thought you know okay they're calling this the last dance and part of the reason it was the last dance was because Jerry Krause you know basically broke up that team so you know if they thought people were going to go in there and throw then they were probably thinking the wrong thing.
3: Well let's not remember let's not forget you know Michael Jordan and his company made this film as well so they've got editorial control on this but I, I give I because of that I'm astounded at all of the behind the scenes openness that shot of him last night's episode sorry if you haven't seen it where he is laying on the ground after they beat seattle for the championship on father's day right after his father died and he was balling i covered michael jordan and when he came to washington for three years and i mean you talk about someone who never shows emotion i that was riveting and just so much of what would happen? I mean we knew we knew a lot about that. We we covered a lot about that. And the fact that we have not seen an appearance by bison daily still has me on the edge of my seat. But yeah. <laughs> but he was on those things. I forgot about that. He was on the he was on the ninety-eight. Yeah. <laughs> he was a hell of a player. Yes, he was. But I mean and, and, and some things that, you know, we saw as reporters and covering the NBA, the one thing that the Bulls did, this is why I put Jordan at the top, they won without a dominant big man. They were the first team to kind of do that. And they were long. They were built a certain way. So when you would see Ron Harper point guard, six eight, with about a nine-foot wingspan, Scottie Pippen, six, eight, with about a nine-foot wingspan, and then Jordan, six, seven, with about an eight-and-a-half-foot wingspan, the defense that they could put on the perimeter, they wore – I mean, it would take – John Stockton and all these great players forever to to get the shot up before the shot clock went off. It was just infuriating. And look at the scores when they show the scores of these games, 86 to 74, that tells you the type of basketball they were playing in the nineties. It wasn't like today, but I I just think it's been absolutely fantastic. Some of the, um, the details that they are showing in the behind the scenes stuff um, are, are just awesome. My, my question for for Caroline about that is, oh gosh, <laughs> what type is, is it whiskey or cognac in Michael's glass when he's sipping there, telling the stories? When he's sitting there
0: telling mm. the stories. It's story. something strong. <laughs> uh, I
2: think I, think I, I actually know. have the answer to that. I think I know for real. I think it's I'm I'm told I've read. I'm sorry, I'm not told. I read it was tequila, something that he and his you know partners have concocted, and I've not seen it, and you know obviously I haven't had it because uh, I don't have that kind of money, but that's what I'm told it is. Oh, I, also
0: read, it I also read that none of the interviews were conducted in his home. It's all, uh, one of the houses was something that the production team bought, and then the other two were homes that were friends of the production crew. I didn't know that none of the places that he was interviewed were his home. Um, but I do have a question that's for of y'all. I do have a question for both of y'all because you guys lived it um, a little bit more than I did because a lot of, I'm not going to lie, 95% of this is all new information for me. So when I'm watching it, I do get a little bit confused because they're not going in chronological order. So I kind of get confused going back and forth. Do you guys have that same experience or is it easy for you guys to follow?
3: I think it's easier for us because we're covering it. Right. I mean, so we, so we, we knew about the bad boys, and we knew um, about Dennis Rodman going to San Antonio and hooking up with Don and losing his mind. <laughs> um, but I, I think the back and forth, of because we were so familiar, you know, with so much of it. You know, I, I got to cover Doug Collins, and, and I'm friends with Doug Collins, and Johnny Bach, and some of the guys, you know, the assistant coaches on those staffs. So I get it. There are some parts that are a little choppy, but it doesn't take me long to, to kind of piece it together. But you made a great point. I think the reason why The Last Dance is so huge is because you're looking at people, our generation, we're living it. But then a whole group of people, a whole set of, of folks who never got to experience it. And I think a lot of people who never got to see Jordan live are now like, oh, yeah, maybe LeBron isn't quite that dude compared <laughs> to him. Yeah, it's <laughs> even a good he point. That, because, even though he is that dude.
0: Because you were ra- I was raised knowing few, like the athletes that were the greatest. You know, you have Tiger Woods in golf. Did I see Tiger Woods in all of the Masters? No, but like I grew up knowing that he was the pinnacle of golf. Mia Hamm with, with women's soccer. Uh, and then with Michael Jordan, you just kind of grew up knowing that he was the greatest. Uh, I don't have to watch all of the game film to know and to see some highlights that he was the greatest, but this puts everything into perspective this is why he was the greatest. These are the things that made him best of all time in some people's opinion.
2: Yeah. You'd always heard that he was, he was a demanding teammate, but, but now you kind of get an inkling why. Yeah. Because, you know, basically he was saying, you know, look, look, you don't have to be as good as me, but you can work as hard as you can possibly work. Like you see me working and that's all. I mean, and he was doing that, you know, in the meantime, you know, smoking cigars and, and hanging out at casinos some and he still was able to get in his work and he was maniacal about it and he's saying basically i and, and the line that struck was I didn't ask anybody to do anything that I wasn't willing to do
0: yeah. yeah you
2: know he's saying you know I ain't asking you to 360 I'm not asking you you know to win a dunk contest but I am asking you to work as hard as you can work so we can win a championship and you know I thought I thought that was a real telling line
0: you know, I'm gonna All give right. you a compliment, JD. Your his motivation tactics and yours are kind of similar because you clown me and you just constantly go at my neck, and that's pushed me to be really great. And so, you know, compliment to you.
2: Well, I'm not gonna say you're great yet. You're just got
0: <laughs>
2: you know, right now you're Scotty Burrell. Go go for the cat.
3: Oh, oh, Scott I thought <laughs> you could so hit nice. with a Judd Bushler. Really so nice, okay. <laughs> I thought you could hit with a Judd Bushler or <laughs> Thanks, Scotty Barrell. Hey, Scotty had some good years, man. Scotty yeah.
2: was a pretty good player. So yeah, that's actually a compliment. Scotty was a pretty good
3: player. Yeah.
0: Yep. Um, Steve, what did you think about the Saints schedule release video? Because obviously, we're we've seen about every brand and organization come up with you know their version of hey, we're all in this together. But I the Saints kind of took a different twist on it. What were what was your reaction to that video?
3: Oh, it's such a home run. Um, We all know, you guys know Shanika Dabney-Henderson. She was a producer at our place for years, uh, just an elite leader who's now working for uh, your broadcast team. She's a 504 native, and it was great for her to get back home. Um, The essence of petty (laughs) that your social media team can drop in a video is unchallenged, right? So you have this great video, a little hype about the schedule all of the wonderful things you're doing and, and with the Saints, helping out the food banks and all the stuff in New Orleans. And then you come in with the line. We had 283 reasons to hate Atlanta, the 28-3 to three shade. But then you talk about all the wonderful things you're helping out with the Atlanta food banks and things there too. So you were able to condense this absolutely heartwarming video and still roast the Falcons at the same time. It, it is just amazing how everything you drop, there is just a little freaking shake of hot sauce in there at the Falcons just to make things a little spicy. And it's just so brilliant. It's so clever, and it's so good. So, yeah. Oh, no, they took the cake. There were some good ones. But, I mean, this was, this was the winner. This was the Usain Bolt of, of all of the release videos.
2: You know, when it comes, to, when it comes to, the, to, to the Falcons now, we've got creative minds. I think they work around the clock. And maybe maybe they might be locked away right now thinking of whatever else next they can come up with. That's got 28-3 in it because, you know, they come up with some stuff. I mean, you know, the Falcons set themselves up for one. And I don't know who it was, but they walked through the door. They, well, they didn't walk through the door. They kicked the door down. You know, Falcons are like, which three do you like? And, and whoever I person was like, two, eight,
3: and three. <laughs> oh, yes. The it was with like, a jersey, when they did their uniform release, that was another yeah, good one. That yeah, was it was awesome. like, man, 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 you know. The petty, you, you is, the petty is just outstanding, yeah. man. So, if, you, you, if
2: you're the Falcons, if you're the Falcons social media team, probably, you know, you've got – it's not paranoia if it's if it's real, but you, you ought to be looking over your shoulder every time you, you, you hit send because our folks are looking, and, and they're going to find it.
3: So, so it's like it's like their social media teams at BJ Armstrong, <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte Hornets, BJ Armstrong,
0: <laughs> like white on rice.
3: Oh my uh, God, Steve. We have
0: to talk a little bit about the schedule, though. Uh, yep. Saints against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We knew that was going to be a big game. We knew uh, it was going to be prime time. What do you think when you saw that the Saints matched up with them for their their home opener?
3: Oh man, it, it had to be. It just had to be. I mean, you've got you've got two Hall of Famers. Uh, you know, at quarterback, the Buccaneers, regardless of record, always play the Saints tough. Uh, and and I think with everything that you know, the the sports world, so to speak, and I don't want to diminish the, the world itself is going through right now, but being so, being so, you know, craving for um, something special to open it up with that game in that venue uh, it, it's just absolutely spectacular of course Thursday night you got the big Texans Chiefs game but I mean the Hudats in that stadium I know Tom Brady has faced some tough circumstances but he's a way hey, to stand up and get crunked it, it, it's going to be real interesting when he, when he comes in there because it, it's going to be absolutely fantastic
0: JD uh, that's it for me all right, Steve, well, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck. We hope to see you soon in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, hopefully, we're all together soon. I know JD can't wait to roast me in front of you, so uh, hopefully we'll see you
2: soon. Well, Steve brings it out of me, you know, because Steve, yeah, Steve, you know, yeah. we know each other, we've known each other a long time, and so when I see Steve, and then, you know, of course, you set it up for me, so that's, you know, I appreciate that. And then, you know, because if I didn't do it, Steve probably would. He's
3: you just – no, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I mean, Judd Bushler's a Judd Bushler's a good friend, and so I wouldn't. I wouldn't pile on.
0: See, that's what a typical bully <laughs> says. Whenever you get around your friends, you're mean to the other people. That's what a typical bully says, and we don't do bullying.
2: Well, actually, I don't do that. Well, if that's the case, then I do it behind without Steve too. So I, you know, I don't know what that means.
3: <laughs> great, great. Thanks. Shannon. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks. Steve. Right. Thanks, Steve. Love you guys. Take care.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to our show today. Again, a reminder, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, episode five of nine for number nine, A Champion's Journey, will release tonight at 6 p.m. on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. Be sure to go watch that. Again, this episode covers Drew Brees uh, after he had his shoulder injury, why he chose the Saints, and obviously the rest is history. But you don't want to miss that episode tonight at 6 p.m. And again, be sure you're rating the Saints pod. Five stars on iTunes, wherever you listen to the podcast, rank it five stars, please. And tell us the game that you're most looking forward to this season. All right, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Teron Armstead, and Steve Weiss, thanks for everyone for joining us on this week's edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek, and we'll see you next week.